Hello, and welcome to this week's Three Shifts edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's June 11th, 2021. I'm Eric Thompson, and here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, space tourism picks up steam with Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, and SpaceX. Two, G7's deal on a historic 15% global minimum corporate tax. And three, Cruise is first to win dual California pilot licenses to offer driverless rides to the public. Shift 1. Space tourism picks up steam with Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, and SpaceX. This week, Jeff Bezos announced that on July 20th, he will be a passenger on the first human-crewed flight of Blue Origin's reusable, suborbital New Shepard launch system. The New Shepard has had 15 successful unmanned test flights to date. Known passengers in the fully autonomous crew capsule, which has no pilot and can seat six, include Bezos, brother Mark Bezos, and the winner of a live charity auction for one seat on June 12th. The current high bid during this unsealed bid phase is $4.8 million as of this recording. Bezos plans to hand the Amazon CEO reins to Andy Jassy on July 5th, about two weeks before his suborbital trip. Passengers will be propelled just above the Kármán line. 62 miles above sea level and considered the beginning of space, and then enjoy three minutes of unbuckled weightlessness. After that, they have to strap back in for the plummet back to Earth, with three parachutes carrying them to landing. The quote-unquote first-class experience, complete with reclining leather seats and quote, the largest windows in spacecraft history, end quote, will last just 11 minutes in total. The rocket booster will land separately to be reused on a later flight. Blue Origin plans to have, quote, a couple more crewed flights, end quote, in 2021. The short, relatively low-altitude mission is indicative of space tourism's focus on suborbital flight. Suborbital is less technically complex and requires less training, just three days for the New Shepard trip. While New Shepard will travel three times the speed of sound, the G-forces experienced by passengers will be less than on some roller coasters. Because the vehicle is pressurized, they can wear a one-piece flight suit rather than a helmet and spacesuit. Passengers will not be required to take a medical exam, but must be able to climb the seven-story launch tower in 90 seconds, fasten their harness in 15 seconds, and be comfortable with heights and pressure. Like Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic is focused on suborbital, though its plane-like vehicles do require pilots. In May 2021, it completed the third human-piloted flight, its first since February 2019, of the Spaceship 2 system, which launches space planes from a separate carrier plane at high altitude. The system can carry eight passengers, including two pilots. There are three more flights planned in 2021, with founder Richard Branson expected to be on the second to last, though he may try to beat Bezos, and the last one being the first full-revenue flight, generating $2 million in revenue, or $500,000 per seat. Commercial service is expected to be rolled out in 2022. Tickets used to be up to $250,000 each, with about $600 sold so far, though lately are going for $500 to $600,000. SpaceX is focusing more on orbital missions for civilian travel. It plans to launch four civilians in the first all-civilian private orbital spaceflight ever in September 2021. Last week, it announced it was partnering with Axiom Space to launch three more private crewed missions to the International Space Station, ISS, aboard its Dragon craft adding to the first planned mission for January 2022 or later. 
The three civilians for the first private mission are paying a reported $55 million each. Passengers on the first flight will live on the ISS for eight days. Less than 600 people have ever flown to space, and very few have been civilians. While major investments by players like Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, and SpaceX are bringing the reality of civilian space travel closer, the nascent industry will remain one of constrained supply and high prices for years. It takes time to build rockets to launch flights. On the orbital front, for instance, NASA has allocated capacity for just two private missions to the ISS per year for 2022 and 2023. Demand, on the other hand, is relatively high. There's already a sizable backlog even at sky-high prices. Space tourism in these early days will be largely targeted towards wealthy individuals. A 2020 Cowan survey found 39% of high net worth individuals are interested in paying $250,000 plus for Virgin Galactic missions. Scarcity and launch costs will keep ticket prices high for a while. Tickets are currently ranging from $500,000 to $1 million or more. For the ultra-rich, the experience will be a prestige buy. Blue Origin is already marketing a, quote, exclusive Blue Origin alumni network, end quote, of passengers. Over time, however, we can expect prices to go down. By 2030, space tourism is estimated to become a $7.9 billion market. Bezos' trip is, in part, a media play to convey assurance that space tourism is safe enough for civilians as well as Blue Origin's leadership. There are certainly risks, and suborbital tourism flights lack the rigorous safety standards of commercial air travel. Blue Origin has an escape system on the capsule, which has its own motor that can reportedly move the capsule away from hazards during launch. There's also more minor concerns, such as vomiting in zero-g or injuries during descent. For SpaceX and Blue Origin, space tourism is as much or more about the future of space exploration as it is about shuttling wealthy people on a tour. Reusable rockets can dramatically bring down launch costs, especially at the scale of SpaceX's Starship in Blue Origin's New Glenn. It has implications for satellite constellations, space-based defense, and future travel to other planets like Mars, as well as the possibilities of point-to-point -point cargo delivery and travel anywhere in the world in under an hour. Bezos, who is investing $1 billion per year to Blue Origin, has called it, quote, his most important work, end quote. The promise of space tourism will naturally fuel optimism and investment. Discovery is launching a reality TV competition to select one passenger for an upcoming Axiom mission. By making space exploration feel more accessible, excitement around its opportunities will attract greater investment and perhaps entry by more forward-thinking entrepreneurs, potentially unlocking major milestones sooner than we think. To read more content related to space and satellite internet, check out our March 12, 2021 Three Shifts edition SpaceX's Starlink satellite broadband continues to widen its lead. In our December 23, 2019 brief, SpaceX's Starlink and the push towards global satellite-based internet. Shift 2. G7's deal on a historic 15% global minimum corporate tax. Last week, in a historic deal, the G7, group of seven wealthy democracies that includes the U.S., Canada, France, Germany, UK, Italy, and Japan agreed to support a global minimum corporate tax rate of 15%. It also announced an agreement that would link taxes to where customers are located rather than where a company has a physical presence, a major shift in how taxes have worked to date. The new rules would focus on large, multinational corporations with a profit margin of at least 10%,
allocating taxation rights across jurisdictions on 20% of profits above that 10% margin. The G7 deal signals government's willingness to adapt tax rules for the digital age. The current global tax system is a web of thousands of treaties cemented over decades, and this is shaping up to be the most significant overhaul since the 1920s. Not everyone is sure the deal will go through. It still needs to be converted into a binding agreement and needs support from the broader G20 economies, including the BRIC nations of Brazil, Russia, India, and China, which is scheduled to meet July 9th and 10th. It also needs the support from the group of over 135 countries involved in the Inclusive Framework on Base Erosion and Profit Sharing, or BEPS, organized by the OECD. The deal was shaped by a number of considerations, including the U.S.'s need to raise taxes while remaining competitive, the long-standing issue of corporate tax havens, the desire by non-U.S. jurisdictions to tax U.S. tech giants, and growing patchwork of digital services tax regulation around the world. In the U.S., the Biden administration had previously proposed a corporate tax increase from 21% to 28% and an increase on the minimum foreign profit tax from 10.5% to 21%. It runs the risk of corporate flight, however, unless other countries enforce a minimum tax. The nations that are currently benefiting from a lower tax rate that attracts private investment, such as Ireland with its 12.5% corporate tax, may not be as quick to jump on board. Ireland is seeking an approach that allows it to offset its small size when seeking investment, with its finance minister recently tweeting, quote, Any agreement will have to meet the needs of small and large countries, developed and developing, end quote. Other countries where the corporate tax rate is effectively 0%, like the Cayman Islands, would be impacted under any minimum tax agreement. The current G7 deal addresses holdouts by allowing home countries to collect the difference between a tax haven's rate and the new 15% global minimum, for instance, on the profits from offshore subsidiaries. Proposals also include a mechanism to address companies and countries without a minimum tax by denying them deductions for certain payments like interest and royalties. In the past, the U.S. has disagreed with governments in Europe and elsewhere over the taxation of U.S. tech giants. European governments have singled out players like Google, Facebook, and Apple for tax increase proposals while well, the U.S. has championed broader rules that don't specifically discriminate against American big tech firms. The patchwork of regulation is growing. Already, 26 countries around the world have enacted digital services tax legislation, with more pending. The U.S. has responded with tariffs that aim to equal the amount of new taxes collected, though these are currently suspended to allow negotiations to proceed. In general, the G7 proposals would make it harder for companies to use tax havens and other strategies to avoid paying taxes. The proposed rules have garnered public support from tech giants such as Facebook, Amazon, Google, and Apple, who stand to benefit from the reduced complexity and administrative burden, despite a potential increase in their tax expense. U.S. companies that generate significant income in countries where tax rates are sub-15% and pay very low taxes today, such as chipmakers NVIDIA and Broadcom, would likely take a hit. Those with concentration in Europe, where most corporate taxes are above 21%, would be less impacted. While there is still a long tail of complex international negotiations required before the G7 proposals become reality, their global implications will be significant. An overhaul could help stabilize tax competition, reduce complexity for digital companies, and forestall future trade conflicts, ultimately resulting in greater geopolitical stability. At a time when companies are already reconsidering the architecture of their geographic location network to adapt to remote and hybrid work, 
a global minimum corporate tax also promises to reshape over time where companies situate their operations. To read more content related to corporate regulation and geographic shifts, check out our January 8, 2021 Three Shifts edition, the U.S. Corporate Transparency Act effectively bans anonymous shell companies. And our April 4, 2020 brief, global supply chains diversify away from China. Shift 3. Cruise is first to win dual California pilot licenses to offer driverless rides to the public. Last week, GM's autonomous vehicle subsidiary Cruise was given the first pilot permit from the California Public Utilities Commission, CPUC, which governs four higher passenger vehicles, to test passenger rides without a safety driver under its driverless AV passenger service pilot program. The permit allows Cruise to provide rides to the general public. It does not allow Cruise to charge for rides, which would require separate full-scale deployment permits from both the CPUC and the California Department of Motor Vehicles, DMV, which governs vehicles on public roadways. Cruise is the first autonomous player to obtain testing permits for passenger vehicles without a safety driver from both bodies. While this is the CPUC's first permit under the driverless pilot program, the CPUC has granted seven other companies, including Aurora, Waymo, and Zooks, permits to test with a human safety driver. It has not granted any deployment permits under its driver or driverless deployment programs, which were created in November 2021. The California DMV has awarded testing permits to 55 companies for autonomous vehicles with a safety driver, as well as testing permits to eight companies for autonomous vehicles without a safety driver, including Cruise, Neuro, Waymo, Zooks, and Baidu. It has awarded only one deployment permit to delivery startup Neuro, which carries only cargo and not passengers, so doesn't require CPUC approval. Both Cruise and Waymo earlier this year applied for deployment permits with the California DMV. Cruise is considered the leading robotaxi effort from a traditional automaker, though Waymo is generally viewed as the autonomous leader overall. Cruise has been active in testing using a fleet of largely modified Chevrolet Bolt EVs, but production is expected to start in 2023 on its origin six-seater electric shuttle, which is designed for ride-hailing with a lifespan of 1 million miles. Cruise has been gaining steam over the past year, landing strategic partnerships and funding from Walmart and Microsoft, $2 billion, acquiring smaller autonomous startup Voyage, and striking a robotaxi deal in Dubai. While Waymo has focused on bringing its Waymo One fully autonomous robotaxi service to Arizona, Cruise has spent more time in urban San Francisco, where it is headquartered and the population density could present greater commercial upside. Cruise exceeded Waymo in 2020 in the number of miles driven in California. In San Francisco, Cruise has logged a total of 2 million autonomous miles, while Waymo has logged just about 83,000. Cruise's new CPUC permit brings it one step closer to bringing fully autonomous ride-hailing services to market. California is often the bellwether for regulation in other states. While it is behind Arizona in fully autonomous paid passenger services, it may be the true proving ground for urban robotaxis at scale. If Cruise ultimately wins dual deployment permits and demonstrates the ability to offer autonomous rides to the public safely, it will catapult itself and California into leading positions in autonomous ride-hailing. To read more content related to autonomous vehicles and robotaxis, check out our January 22nd, 2021, Three Shifts edition, Big Tech Firms Team Up With Automakers on EVs and Autonomous Vehicles. In our April 28th, 2020 brief, Robotaxis, Local Delivery, and the Future of Driverless Ground Vehicles.
That's it for this week's Three Shifts edition. If you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the Three Shifts edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on the right to repair and talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts edition. <laughs>